I'm Natasha Jung, and I am here with Osric Chow, actor, martial artist, and producer here in Los Angeles, California. That is exactly where we are. Yes, that's right. And it's a little balmy outside. It was balmy? No, it's balmy. chilly? It's chilly. It's chilly. Actually, we're not in Los Angeles. We're, we're north of Los Angeles. We're in North Hollywood. Yes. Which is technically Los Angeles County, to be sure. There you go. And there are a lot of planes going by. We're, uh, we're close to the Burbank Airport. Bob Hope Airport is actually one of my favorite airports. Really? Why? Because it's, well, I mean, apart from the, the amount of planes that go through, it, it's a tiny, tiny airport. And as soon as you step off the plane, like within maybe 20, 30 steps, you're out of the airport. There you go. It's super cute. And oh. compared to LAX, it's just a yeah. good Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So is that where you try to fly in and out of? Yeah, it's not an international airport, unfortunately, Uh, but any domestic flights in in, uh, the U.S., I can can take Bob Hope pretty good. You take Bob Hope. Awesome. (laughs) Well, actually, so this is actually a really fun and meaningful uh, interview for me to do with you because I've actually known you for a really long time. Yeah. Like, not not well, but, I mean, we're getting to know each other. 12 years or something? Yeah, it's crazy. 12 (laughs) Almost thir- 12, almost 13, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. So I actually met Osric when I was emceeing a, a talent competition, and he and his brother and, and another uh, gentleman were... Um, Koichi! Oh, yes. he's in Japan now. Oh, Damn, making Shout me so nostalgic. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so the three of you actually did a uh, martial arts demonstration yeah. performance, yeah. and I very distinctly remember you doing some sort of a backflip, kick thing, and you kicked the ceiling. yeah. I mean, the, I didn't have the most spatial awareness. Like, we kind of <laughs> trained in a vacuum, like, open space. So, like, being contained was harder. So, yeah, I, I kicked the ceiling. That that being said, though, I don't think it was a very high ceiling. No, it wasn't. It was really tiny. So, it was hard for me to, like, adjust because yeah. we just weren't used to that. So. Yeah, yeah. Mad hops, though. So, like, you started off in martial arts how long ago? I started training when I was about 13, 14, like, Officially, I mean, I I fought with my brothers a lot. We used to watch Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, um, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Jackie Chan movies. So we used to fight a lot. Yeah. Wrestling. (laughs) Going to wrestling. Um, (laughs) And I started training seriously with with my brother, my younger brother, at the age of 13. And pretty much kept that going until I was 20, 21. Wow. Okay. Okay. And that kind of led you to where you are today, wouldn't you say? It it directly led me to my first big acting job because they, they needed a Chinese-Canadian actor who could speak English, who could do his own stunts, he knew martial arts, who could work non-union in rural China, and I just came from China. I was actually the only person that fit everything that they needed. That's amazing. So, so by default. <laughs> by default, I got my first yeah. big acting job, and it just kind of, I mean, it took off from there, and I haven't really done stunt work or martial arts since. I've just been doing acting focused work which has been incredible amazing um but now i'm looking at my life and i'm like oh i want to do something before i get too old (laughs) before this body starts i know before i can't anyways yeah yeah Yeah. no fair enough and so let's go back to the acting that transition into that the kind of breakout role for you was in which film again it was a mini series for spike tv called kung fu killer Ooh. We still have not seen it to this day. I probably what? won't. <laughs> is it online, maybe? Or I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't look. You don't look at these things. You what? Know, it's like what? a first project. Okay. It's not, you know, it's not a work of art by any stretch of the imagination. Um, 
very thankful for it. Like some of the best memories I have because it was a first for so many things. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of, no, I mean, it's non-union. So we did a lot of shit that we probably shouldn't have done. <laughs> and, you know, like over here, insurance would never allow you to do that stuff. So it's, it was kind of fun and how crazy it was. Um, but I probably won't watch it. Well, what about, let's talk about some of more of your, your more recent work than what, things that you're really proud of. So it, for those of you who haven't been introduced to Osric just yet, or, or Oz, as, as his friends call him, I guess, um, am I your friend? Yes. Oh, thank Sasha, you so much. We've known each other for so long. I'm so honored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we went to James Corden show yesterday. Yes, we did. It was yeah. fun. Alicia Keys was on. Yeah. Um, Haley Bieber, who is Justin Bieber's new wife, mm -hmm. formerly known as Haley Baldwin. But yeah, it was a good time. So yeah, like your more recent work, um, Dirk Gently's, um, Holistic Dirk Detective Gently. Agency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love so, Dirk Gently. Oh my gosh. Tell us about what that show meant to you. This, I'm, I'm surprised that show ever got off the ground, to be honest. <laughs> it's so crazy. When you read the, when we all read that first script, we, everyone had the same feelings. Like, we don't understand anything that's going on, <laughs> but we still love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the beauty of it. Honestly, like, I watched both seasons and yeah. I, Especially the first season, I had no idea what was going on, but I was very pleasantly surprised. And I don't feel like a lot of shows will kind of take those kinds of risks no. in this day and age. No, so. I don't think you can. Like it, it was such a a gamble for the network to go for it. And so I'm I'm really proud of mm -hmm. BBC America that you know they were taking a chance on this show. It's such a crazy idea. There's so many characters. It's so well written. Mm -hmm. And you know, you look at the scripts and from a producing standpoint, you look at it and you're like, this is really ambitious. I don't know how how they're gonna do this. And then you go on yeah. set and like, oh, oh. this is pretty cool. Especially right. the second season. We're not gonna spoil it for yeah. anyone that hasn't watched it yet. It's on Netflix. It's it's fun. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, the crazy is the operative. If term. you like quirky shows, this is a show for you. If you like to be spoon-fed things, maybe you don't like. My my parents can't stand it. Like, yeah, they, like they, it's this? just way too much for them. <laughs> they like to cook and clean and do stuff while they're watching TV. Uh, yeah. um, so you kind of have to be very active in watching. Yeah, this. you do have to pay yeah. pay quite a bit of attention there. So um, you actually got to film that back in back at home. Uh, yeah, I got to film Dirk Gently in Vancouver, which was nice. So fun. I was actually about to move to New York, and then I got that job. I'm like, huh. So I got to go back. To yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These things happen at the at the right time. Yeah. Think, right. So. It does. So how long have you been in and out of LA now? Uh, seven eight years now. Wow. In and out of LA. Mm -hmm. I mean, you. I'm legally residing here, and I come back as much as I can. But you know, your work kind of takes you all over the place. I shoot in Vancouver a lot. Mm -hmm. I spending a lot more time in Southeast Asia these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, I lived in China for a, a bit, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I travel. Quite extensively. Quite a bit. You're raking up those points. Yeah. Tell me about the time that you uh, spent in China. I love China. So China was the first big move I ever did. I moved to China right before the Vancouver Olympics happened. Mm. Um, and it was one of those moments where it's like, okay, this is a big moment in time for Vancouver. You know, the world is coming to our front door and, you know, we've got to welcome them. And this is like the biggest party Vancouver will probably ever see, at least in in our lifetime. Um, so it was kind of a, I was at a crossroads and I knew a couple of things like this, this is going to be a lot of fun, mm -hmm. excited for it. But at the same time, I'm really young and I haven't really earned that vacation and I want to work. And I know that the film industry is shutting down for at least the duration of the Olympics, which was like six months. 
And I just wasn't ready to do nothing and have fun. So I made a decision to fly to China one way. And I had the mentality that if if I only learned Mandarin and nothing else, that would be worth the trip. Mm-hmm. Right? And how's your Mandarin now? Uh, I mean, it's I've been away from China for so long, but it was the best trip in the world for me. Uh, it really opened all the doors. I I learned Mandarin. I mean, I'm conversational now. It's getting rusty. I need to use it more. Uh, Did you speak any other languages before then? Or? Uh, just English and French and Cantonese. So oh, like, no big deal. Just <laughs> Mandarin, other one. Mandarin's a big one. Yeah. And my Cantonese is like slowly slipping away. So I'm glad like my Mandarin's way better now. Uh, but I, I worked on a Chinese movie speaking Mandarin within three months. Holy. Just know, like... And I met the director in a, in a bar of all places. Oh and I don't even drink. You know, so there were so many things that happened. It was such a scary decision, but it just flipped my life around. You know, I more than doubled my network because every person I met there was new, you know, and part of the culture of Beijing was going out and meeting people, and I absolutely loved that. Were you always that kind of person, though? No, never. And so, so like, China really helped me for my personal growth and development because I had to live by myself. I didn't have the comforts of home. I, you know, my parents, my mom Mm -hmm. especially would do a lot of life things for me and all of a sudden mm-hmm. I had to do it in another language so it was wow. you know, adulting it was a, in another language it was, that's, a, that's it was big yeah you know yeah. and it was probably the start of when I started you know I just started growing as a person I really mm-hmm. felt like I'm like okay the person who I thought I was isn't who I am and I had to leave that behind me and and when I moved to China that's when I really started asking questions and really I'm like like, who am I? Where, who do I want to be? Where do I want to be? Where do I want to go? And that's when I started asking questions. So China yeah. was really instrumental in that. Wow. And so how did you find the answers to those questions? I'm still looking. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you, at one point you feel like, oh yeah, I got it. Or like you find the answer that you're looking for maybe a couple years back. And then, I mean, it. I feel like just the fact of not knowing and, and looking was a huge step. And I don't know if mm-hmm. they're is ever a definitive answer because mm-hmm. you know we all constantly change and grow as people mm-hmm. and and I think things change with it so I'm I'm constantly striving for something else and if if I take the time to like really look back mm-hmm. every year of the last 10 years I have had a moment where I'm like ah oh, if only I if only I, I I'm doing that if only I have that or if I get this thing mm-hmm. and sure enough every year after that if I look back a year I would have completed that task or I have wow. achieved that goal you know so I have to take the moment the time to really like appreciate how far I've come you know mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing things that I never thought was possible mm-hmm. you know so that alone is I know I've, I've kind of I've done a lot I'm very proud of it you know but very ambitious person and the more I do the more my ambitions grow and so every now and again I just have to stop myself and like really just be appreciative of everything that has happened and the people I have around me for sure and if you could write a thank you note to your former self from maybe about like seven eight years ago when you first tried to come out to LA like what would you say (laughs) my first thought was you know thank you for having the balls to take the risk but the actual answer is thank you for being stupid enough <laughs> not to think it through. Right, right. So risk taking equals to, but that's all right though. I mean, you figured it out, or you're figuring it out along yeah. the way, right? There's and, there's a balance yeah. between like stupidity and bravery, and you know, I I've been hopping back and forth on that line for a long time. <laughs> so I'm um, back at that time. Mm-hmm. I it, it was really luck, and like 
looking back, it was an educated risk, but mm -hmm. less so on things that I knew and more on things that I felt. Gotcha. Right. And now I can, I can take these leaps of faith knowing mm -hmm. that I'll be fine. You know, worst case scenario, I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? It's actually not that bad. I can yeah. have so it sounds like you've made a, a number of transitions throughout your life and your career, and now you've, you're transitioning into a, a writer, producer kind of role yeah. or kind of stage in your life. How's that going for you so far? It's so exciting. It's, I mean, everything is new. Everything is shiny again, you know, and I, I, we're looking at, I'm looking at the same thing, the same puzzle, but just from a completely different perspective now. Mm -hmm. And it's, definitely opened a whole new world that was right in my backyard. So I think for me, this grew out of the frustrations of being uh, a minority actor, mm -hmm. you know, not having the roles available to you um, that I just said, screw it, I'm gonna do my own thing. Yeah. You know, I cannot, I mean, one, I, I try to fight hypocrisy as much as I can. I'm like, I can't complain that people aren't writing good roles for Asian actors if I'm not doing that. So yes. the fact that I'm trying to write yeah. and trying to create, I'm like, now I can complain that other people aren't doing yeah. it. So, I mean, yeah, I'm I still- Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, so I'm still actively doing it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, in a way, I, I want to lead by example. Um, so mm -hmm. last year I produced my first feature film with some friends of mine, uh, and it came out of frustration from another project. <laughs> but, you know, so like, it, it was like the worst project I'd ever done. And I was just... The previous project. Yeah, the previous yeah. project. Yeah. And I'm like, I need to turn this negative into a positive. And yeah. so I I just had that burning fire of, mm -hmm. I need to do something. Mm -hmm. um, and I used it and I put it into this project. And mm -hmm. we have now produced our first feature film. We're in the, um, the editing room right now. We're finishing. And we have our next couple of projects already lined up. Oh so gosh. we're prepping the next one while we're finishing this Ooh. first one. Just and go, go, go. But that was the goal. Like at the beginning, I'm like, this is our first one. Yeah. We know it can't be perfect. Our only goal is to lock down our second project before we push this one out. That was wow. all I said. And so we've and already it, accomplished that and then some. That's amazing. And so that, that project is called Empty by Design. Yes. And you traveled to the Philippines to film. And yes. you brought a couple of friends along with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, who else is in the film? Uh, and what well, is it I, about? I wouldn't even say I brought them out. So, <laughs> I, so Empty by Design, um, it's, it's a story about two two people going back to the Philippines after being away for years and just feeling that disconnection to their own hometown. Um, and so they reconnect with their friends, their family, the city, and it's a feeling of just that disconnection. And it's something that me and my roommate, Drea, you know, we feel like everywhere in the world we've been in, we've always been considered an outsider, a foreigner mm -hmm. to some degree. Like I travel a lot and there was this one year in particular where I felt like there was no sense of home, no sense of, like, I, I was so ungrounded. Mm. You know, even going back to Vancouver with my family, my friends, I just mm. felt like I was an alien there. And, then, and as soon as I started getting comfortable again, I would have to leave. And so this is a movie about that discomfort, that feeling of, I mean, that lack of home, even in your own hometown. So it's a mm -hmm. feeling of finding that. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I, I wanted to do a movie. And last year we went to Sundance. I went to for the first time and I was so inspired mm. by all these filmmakers and I just kept saying to Drea who took me like we have to make a movie this year we have to come back next year with mm -hmm. and I kept saying that yeah yeah and she's like you're crazy how are we going to do this we've never done anything like it and I just kept saying it and repeating and repeating it for the entire week mm -hmm. and then we moved in together in February we both needed a roommate I'm like great let's move in together let's yeah. work on projects and after that first week I'm like okay 
here's the de- Sundance deadline for next year. Let's work our way backwards. You know, I'm like, okay, we have to do post here. We have to shoot then. We have a couple months for pre-production. Can you write a script in a month? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. No big deal, right? <laughs> and to Drea's credit, she did. She wow. wrote a, she wrote a first draft wow. in a month. And I read that first draft. And I'm like, oh, we're screwed. <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, but there's there's something here. And so, you know, we worked at it. We came with the second draft. I'm like, oh, okay, this is something. I, I feel like we we have it. And then she looked at the second draft. She was like, oh, I know exactly where to take it now. And then yeah. it just kept going. I pulled uh, our friend Chris Pang on board. Chris uh, Pang from Crazy Rich Asians. From Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Uh, and so Chris is a good buddy of mine, and we've been talking about doing stuff as well. Um, and we just slowly started, I don't know, telling people that we're going to the Philippines to do a movie. <laughs> um, and it's in the Philippines because Drea is Filipino. She grew up there. So... You know, when we're talking about a story to do, I'm like, what do you want to do? She's like, I want to go home. I'm like, yeah. okay, let's write a story about home. And so go go to the Philippines. So then in this experience, like, what is your definition of home now? For me, I feel like home is anywhere I can be for more than three weeks at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's a vacation. Uh, yeah, honestly, like, yeah. if I'm somewhere for three weeks living like a local, that will feel like home. Mm-hmm. And I really only figured that out last year. Like, the Philippines felt like home by the end of that project. Like, I'm like, I can see myself. I mean, I have been living here or there at that time. Mm -hmm. I'm like, when I left to come here, it didn't feel like I was going back to L.A. It felt like I was only leaving for a little bit and I was going to go back to. Oh, wow. Home is honestly like wherever you make it, I feel like. And it sounds like, you know, especially when you have these like transformational life experiences, like that's what makes a place special to you. I think it's it's the people for sure, you know, and. Our time in Manila, we've we've kind of surrounded ourselves with this wonderful group of people from all over the place. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them are here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it doesn't have it. It really isn't the location. It's mm-hmm. the, those connections, those memories that you make. I mean, to me, that 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 is what home is, and I try to make home honestly anywhere on the planet. For sure. Yeah. And so, um, who else is in the film? Um, so our friend Dante Bosco, I asked, cause he's, Legend. he's produced a film in the Philippines <laughs> before. And uh, this was one of the things we kept going to every Asian themed, whatever event last year. And okay. I just started inviting people. I'm like, Hey, we're going to this thing. And yeah. people started showing up before, you know, we have like this group of 20, 30 people at wow. every single event, Yeah, you know, we're this you mob. Have, like, matching t-shirts. No, but or... <laughs> we're just like this mob of friends that started showing up for stuff and supporting anybody and everyone mm. we could find we're like, mm. Oh, there's this event like for this perform. Let's go. You know, there's a screening for this tiny movie we've never heard of, but they're first-time filmmakers. Yeah. Let's go. And so we just started supporting people, yeah. and that, I don't know, that energy just got around. And as we were doing it, we're like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I'm Osric. I'm, I'm actually producing film in the Philippines, even though we yeah. had nothing, like, set. That's okay. You were you had the intention of doing it. At we that did. Time. And you did it. And you but honestly, it. that was the mindset. Yeah. Like, the mindset was that this train is going to its destination. I don't know how, but it's going... Mm-hmm hop on or, or let it pass by you. And sure enough, everybody just jumped on. Yeah. You know, so we asked Dante, I'm like, hey, Dante, we're doing a film in the Philippines. You want to help out? Uh, you want to help produce us? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't sure if he was joking or not, yeah. but he was <laughs> serious. Yeah. So he introduced us to a producer in the Philippines. Yeah. Um, we started telling our friends. And before you know, we're like, okay, we're just going to buy one-way tickets to Manila and try to make it work. And so we just bought our tickets and we told people. Mm-hmm. And then our friend Yoshi, he's like, I'm going to be in Indonesia anyways. And so he just bought his ticket right there and That's then. That's perfect. And he's like, okay, I'm coming. Oh, shit. Okay, this is happening. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess if he's bought his ticket, I guess yeah. we have to make and it then, happen so he's not there by himself. Our friend Desmond, he's like, 
he's like, I can't sit back and just let this happen. This feels like a big moment. It's the oh. first one. And he flew himself from L.A. to the Philippines. What? You know, oh, uh, that's a real one. He's him real one. and yeah. Andrew Guh as well, like halfway through, Andrew's like, I just got to go. And like Chris came back to, to LA for the Crazy Rich Asians premiere, yeah. and Andrew flew with him. Oh my gosh! Um, but it, you know, just the fact that like the three of them just came out for that like meant the world to me. Like, mm -hmm. like I I'd spent nights just thinking about that. I'm like, oh my god, we're doing something, and I'm just like oh, crying. Cool. Like this is too crazy. Like I couldn't believe what we kind of put together, and it was a wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. um, and of I mean, everyone's doing great. Desmond. Shout out to Desmond Cham, who's got a who's a lead in the new ABC show. Yeah, in Australia for like That's the next so six months. That's so exciting! What's that show called again? It's called the uh, Reef Reef Break. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Very excited. For wow, yeah. no, that's uh, the, what I love about um, what you did there, and I think it's what I'm taking away from that story, and it's very clear as well because you know here I am, just you know, you know, we don't know each other very well, haven't seen each other in like a really long time, and I was just like, hey Oz, I'm coming down to LA, let let's meet up, let's grab a bunch of other people as well, and just. I think it really speaks to your ability to bring people together and to build community, right? The and community, the community <laughs> building, community is cold. Um, yeah. The community building is the thing that changed my life last year. Yeah. Last year was the first time I ever liked being in LA. Wow. And it's because I made an effort to find the people that I wanted to go out of my way for mm -hmm. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. You know, like all of my friends here, like my best friends in LA, I met last year, really. Wow. And now we spend almost every day, every other day together. Mm -hmm. You know, we show up for things. And mm -hmm. I think that was a big thing. People in LA, you know, we have a reputation of being kind of flaky. And so we just showed, start showing up. Yeah. That's it. For anything, for anybody, you know, no questions asked, no like, okay, you owe us a favor. No, we just showed up because we want to support you. Yeah. You know, and the whole Asian community, you know, it wasn't just us. Everyone started doing that. Yeah. And you kind of felt this energy. There was something like tangible in the air that you can feel. And it, it was such a wonderful feeling. Yeah. You know, everyone's coming behind all these projects. I mean, when Crazy Rich Asians happened, like, mm -hmm. I mean, that was a game changer. I mean, we kind well, no, I guess we didn't know it. But like... You hoped for it, that it would be a game changer. When I saw Searching at Sundance last mm -hmm. year, that to me was the game changer. Right. And searching, I mean, it didn't have the impact that Crazy Rich Asians did, but to me, mentally, that's when it happened. I'm like, this is the year. And so, again, it was every day I went to a different event, and we just mm -hmm. invite everybody that I could think of, and more and more people showed up every single time. Right. Asian Heritage Month, May. Oh, yeah. Last Huge. year, we went to a different event every single day. Wow. That's, thir that's a lot of partying right there. And someone that didn't even really drink, you got to have like high energy. I mean, I don't drink. <laughs> my, and my roommate, Andrea, she's, you know, an introvert. She gets like exhausted yeah. going to these things, but she showed up every yeah, time. Because you believed in what you were doing and you really wanted to bring the community together. And I think that speaks a lot to, I guess, also like your belief in, in people and, and positivity as well. Yeah. But it, it was a, a really monumental shift. Like, for the longest time, Asian actors, um, I mean, I'll speak of the Asian male actors, because for mm -hmm. the longest time, we've been fighting for these token Asian roles. And there's mm -hmm. like one, the idea that there's only one and it can only be one of us. So therefore, everyone else is an enemy. Like last year, we just like we've talked about it. Yeah. We don't like it, but it's still something that was like so like inherent in us from years of conditioning that last year we finally like shed that. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, like there, there shouldn't be that. Mm -hmm. So 
not only am I not going to see you all as competition and because we've been hanging out a lot, helping each other with the tapes for the same characters. Mm -hmm. Like what? I mean, a couple of things that, I mean, we should have already known, like everyone does it so differently. Yeah. So we're not in competition with each other. And two, there shouldn't be one token Asian character, right? There should be more. And we have to create space for ourselves. So Mm -hmm. that's part of, you know, us creating our own projects. And Mm -hmm. so one thing that I try to do a lot is, you know, try to help people develop and write their own projects um, because, you know, we're, we're creating space for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is true for any industry, but I think in particular, well, probably because I'm in it, uh, for the film industry, there is no room for you. You have to make room for yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And I tell people that just create, create, do your own thing, bring people together. And at some point they're going to want to bring you into whatever they're doing. So I very clearly remember, you know, two summers ago, um, I had run into you at a friend's barbecue for, well, like, like two of our friends getting married and now they are married. But I remember asking you like, hey, like, you know, what do you think about, you know, Asian Americans, Asian Canadians in film right now or in Hollywood and representation in media? And that was kind of at the infancy of Colty Collective itself. And I was really just trying to get my feet wet and trying to figure out what do we stand for and how are we going to stand out? But even before that, mostly just what do we stand for, right? And so I got to say that a lot of what you would say, like in your vlogs and such, you know, you, you used to do them on like Instagram and like Facebook, um, really helped open my eyes and perspective to kind of the current situation at that time. And so thank you for doing that. Um, and and that, I think that just also speaks to, you know, you just kind of sharing your heart, you're sharing your opinions with other people. Um, if you were to do something similar, let's just say, you know, send um, send a video message to yourself uh, in the future, maybe like 10 years from now, what would you say? Oh, I don't know. 10 years. I mean, I aspire to be the best version of myself that I can be. And I mean, I, I hope that, I mean, I hope that my future self just hasn't given up mm-hmm. and he's, he's, you know, he's found his purpose or at least an idea of it, and he's still going for it. Mm-hmm. I, you're talking about my the YouTube videos that I used to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll actually share this, because I, I for me, this was also an instrumental part. Mm-hmm. So this was, oh, I guess, a little bit over two years ago. Mm-hmm. I was up for a huge role. Um, this project didn't end up happening, by the way, but it was between me and, and another person, and it, this was for, like, a role of a lifetime kind of a thing. Wow, okay. Right? And and I remember thinking, oh, like, man, this like this is going to be huge for whoever gets this. And then I got the call that it was me. Wow. Right? Or it yeah. could have been me. Yeah. And I thought I was out of the running at that point. So, I, like, they flew me in to L.A. We met. I'm like, wow, this is completely coming out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they offered me the role in person. And it was, like, such a wonderful amazing feeling and then I thought to myself what if I was the other actor what if I was him like I would want like personally I would want I hope that they would be able to support me on this but if I were in their shoes I don't know if I could because of all these feelings Mm -hmm. and and that's when I really thought to myself like why why wouldn't I be able to and why do I want them to? And so, like, I just started, like, debating with mm. myself all these, like, why do I feel like this? And, you know, it, it came out that I had this, like, internal self-racism against my own culture and mm. people and, you know, this idea of competition and all that. And so it was at that moment when I had that thought. I'm like, I don't know anything about Asian Americans in entertainment. 
you know, I've been talking about it for a long time, mm -hmm. you know, and when I see people, I'm very friendly, but you know, like if I dig deep enough, I know that I see everyone as competition. Mm -hmm. I hated that. Yeah. And that's when I started every week, I would do research on another performer or another show. And I would just do a spot. Like, I'm like, I have a platform. I'm going to use it. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to one, learn about people that I want to support mm -hmm. and two, just like share it with my followers and, and just wanting to support them. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, um, what I had hoped would happen, happened. I trained myself to not only support Asian Americans, but I, I mean, halfway through, I really believed it. Yeah. And there was this weird mentality. I'm like, I used to say this stuff, but now I'm like so passionate about it. And so I just taught myself this passion for something that I yeah. wanted, but I never had. Right. And so that's super interesting because typically, you know, if people kind of go out of their way, do things on their own time, it's because they have that passion for it. But you knew that it was important to you. And I think it sounds like in, for, in order for you to really fully be on that journey, you had to express that first and kind of explore that. And you were sharing that with the world, right? With, with YouTube and, and all yeah. in your audience. And well, the, yeah, I mean, the idea is like, I need, I need to do this now. Mm -hmm. And if this, you know, project like took off and I became that person, mm -hmm. I would still continue doing it with an increased platform mm -hmm. to spread the word. I mean, yeah. it didn't happen, but like the process of doing it was still amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I did it for over a year and mm -hmm. I, I learned a lot and I, I learned to love my community. I learned to appreciate the incredible talents and the, the diversity of talents that we have mm -hmm. within our own community. So I, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'm very, I, very thankful that I did that. Yeah, no, yeah. And, and we are as well. And so our series is called Pearls of Wisdom. Um, so I want to ask you, just to wrap up here, do you have a pearl of wisdom that you'd like to impart um, on our audience and our listeners? Um, it can be a life hack of any sort, anything to do with acting, career, pursuing your passions, or, or anything uh, like that. I mean, I, I could go on for hours. <laughs> I'm topic. sure you could. <laughs> I guess it depends on, on the, the purpose. I would say, um, I think everyone has to find, you have to find your purpose, you know, like, Everyone always says, like, you got to do this, you got to do that. But, like, to what end, you know, are we doing these things? Mm -hmm. So I think figuring out the why is the most important thing. And why are you doing it? Um, I think for me, my, if I were to define my life, it's to, to learn, mm -hmm. right? Because I'm, I'm curious and I just want to explore. I want to know. I like the unknown because, you know, it's that surprise. It's, you know, it's like... That thrill of discovery is so, you know, it, it, it's so joyful for me. The, the possibilities of magic, the possibilities of like us putting together a hundred people to work on this thing. And, you know, you, you speculate on the million different ways it can come out, but then it comes out in a way that you never imagined. Like that is to me is just like, ah, like I love that. Um, and so that keeps me going. Like, I don't, I don't even know if filmmaking is, the thing that I want to do in, at the end of the day, but you know, it's, I, I do love it, mm -hmm. you know? And for me, my mentality has always been, I'm just going to follow the things that I like until it leads me to the things that I love. And you know, that's enough. So find your purpose, find your why, because, mm -hmm. and I've had this discussion with my dad and mom, I'm like, look, my, my goal is not to just prolong my life for as long as I can, you know, as comfortable as I can in that time span. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, I would, rather a shorter lifespan and like living at my maximum quality potential, right? I just saw this movie Free Solo and it was amazing. And the guy was like, no, I don't feel any obligations to prolong my life. 
mm-hmm. you know, to live with that purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, and that's about a, a gentleman that goes that rock climbing, the without... most dangering t- type of rock climbing with no ropes, and he's climbing oh. three thousand feet in the air. Yeah, and it's not a matter of if he'll die; it's when, because like almost every free soloist has died. Yeah. You know, but he it was it wasn't a fear thing. It's like this is just how I live. Mm-hmm. You know, and to not do this is not living. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I've had this conversation with my dad. I'm like, look, I don't want the pension. I don't want the health plan and all that because to me, like, if I had your life, and I know you love your life, mm-hmm. but if I had your life, to me that would feel like prison, right? So, the why for me, I need to be surprised. I need to be able to learn. And if I already know that I'm going to be doing this next day, I'm going to be doing this next week, next month, I'm like, well. How do you know that? I'm, I've lived that life, so now it's it's over, <laughs> right? So give <laughs> me the it. next thing, yeah. Right? Yeah. I like being challenged, mm-hmm. and I and I think that keeps me from being bored. So really, I guess at the end of the day, I'm just fighting boredom. And that's a very noble thing to fight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's wisdom. No, no, I, I I would say so. That's that's pretty good. Uh, thank you, Osric, so much for your time and for sharing your story with us. Thanks, um, Natasha. Yes, and until next time, um, this is Natasha, and this is. Yeah, thanks for tuning in to Colty Collective. Take care. Peace.